Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. the road and 
so forth and so on. And, you know, the pastors and Shantis weighed in. And uh, I weighed in as well. You know, the, the, the overall consensus was, you know, we can't call ourselves Jesus, dress up in the white robe, which he does. He has the hair that we normally see in the, what do you call it, in the pictures, in the depiction of Christ. Yeah, this is what he does. He dresses up as Jesus. He says he dresses up as his superhero. And, you know, it's nothing wrong and quite uh, creative to decide to minister to your passengers. You know, you've got a captivated audience there. And providing, you know, there's a, uh, someone who is willing to listen, this is pretty good. It might work well for the ministry of Christ. Yeah, you know, you want to, you know, instead of playing, he plays his gospel music. So to accompany the gospel music, you know, give them a word from the Lord and, you know, a scripture or two, and you never know what questions they might ask, and providing that you're able to answer the questions. I mean, this makes for a wonderful ministry. However, do you want to dress like Jesus? Do you want to call yourself Jesus? I don't care whether you're calling yourself Philly Jesus, New York Jesus, Kansas Jesus. It doesn't matter. You know, the Bible tells us that, you know what, God is a jealous God. There should be no idols. No, and in actuality, that's what you become. Because we have been called to minister, but we have not been called to dress like Christ what we think Christ looked like because uh, we don't know. We don't know. I wasn't there to see Christ. I have no idea what Christ looked like. They have no cameras back then. So nobody could take a picture and now show it to me. So that's not for us to do. And now you're, you know, becoming someone's idol or you're your own idol. Ooh, think about that one. Yes, so, you know, you can't do both. You you can't honor God and then mock God at the same time. And, you know, mocking God can be malicious or, you know, otherwise. Now, remember, we just got finished a few weeks ago talking about the book of Clarence. Duh, look at that. Look at that. That that Clarence was that 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 Messiah was smoking weed. Now just because you're not smoking weed, that does not mean you're not mocking God. That does not mean that this is not something idolistic. We just got finished for the past two weeks talking about being an idol. We're talking about having idols. So gotta be real careful. Real careful. Now, our next conversation was about these, uh, I want to make sure I get it right. It's the, uh, wait a minute now, the African National African American Clergy Network. 
they are a group of churches uh, and pastors who have come together down in the South and uh, are encouraging our President Biden to do what? Mm, They are encouraging him to uh, call for a ceasefire in Gaza now. This was a unanimous feeling and thought yesterday. Mind your business. You know, this, this to, to ask the president to step in the middle of that war that's going on is really pushing things. We have no business with the condition Condition our nation is in getting involved with that now people say you know you got to help those afar help those in no we're not taking care Biden is not taking care of the United States I'm sorry and with him not taking care of the United States properly he has no business opening up his mouth in anyone else's war Like I said yesterday, the Bible speaks of not taking care of home and taking care of somewhere else before you take care of home. And it considers you equal to an infidel. So, yeah, you know, you've got a group of clergy who are coming together who can definitely set their sights on things that are so much, so much, so much more so much more important and uh i'm sorry no it was a unanimous feeling no get your you know get your house in order here and do what you need to do focus on home build home up then 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 and only then we can now step in. That's some serious business to go and tell somebody to stop the war. Based on what? What can you say that would make a difference? And you don't even have your own house in order. We can't get involved with other people's things to that, uh, you know, at, at that magnitude, if we don't take care of home first? Absolutely not. So I don't know, y'all. I don't know. But they definitely didn't get our vote yesterday. And that was from three pastors. So mm, I don't know, y'all. And that's how we spent our Tuesday. Well, today, today, today is Wow Wednesday. And you know how we do over here on Wednesdays. The ladies have the voice today. The ladies speak. And we are so grateful to God for allowing us to step into this Wednesday morning. As Shanti says, God called our name. Amen. And uh, it's 
a lot to be grateful for. A lot to be grateful for. So we're going to get our morning started. We're going to get that healthy breakfast. We're going to tell somebody that it's due time where Pastor Steph is on. And whatever you do, don't go anywhere because we will be right back. Bloating for no good reason. Pelvic pain or pressure that doesn't go away and you don't know why. Feeling too full, too fast, even when you eat just a little. Unusual bleeding or spotting, like having longer or heavier periods than what's normal for you, or bleeding after you've gone through menopause. Bloating, pain or pressure, feeling too full, too fast, unusual bleeding. These aren't just words. They could be symptoms of a gynecologic cancer, such as cervical, ovarian, uterine, vaginal, and vulvar cancers. Learn the symptoms, and if you notice anything unusual and it goes on for two weeks or longer, see a doctor. It may be nothing, but find out for sure. Listen to your body and get the inside knowledge about gynecologic cancers. Again, welcome back to his due time with Pastor Steph, and it is Wow Wednesday, y'all. Amen. Giving God thanks for making it halfway through the week. Yeah, you know we might, you know, have a little difficulty here or there, but we're giving God thanks that He called. Our name is Shanti, so always says. And uh, another day that the Lord has made, we are seeing this day. You know, I, I have to tell y'all, every Wednesday, I make it my business to say, thank you, God, for, you know, getting us to this point of the week. And I want to tell you a little something before we get our our morning started. I say that because it's real. It, it's really, really, re- really, really real. Sunday uh, evening, got a phone call that someone just passed away. That's the way there was no real indicators that the person was ill. You know, they had some health issues, but, you know, they were fine, quote unquote. And you know, I got a little bit more of the story and you know, they were with someone. They were in the house with someone and you know, they were Saturday night, Saturday, Saturday night, everybody, you know, the two of them, three of them were, you know, together, sharing time in the house. 
you know, just talking, having a good time. And Sunday, you know, was sleeping off and on. And they thought that they were sleeping off and on. And somebody kept calling that person's phone and kept asking, you know, well, what's going on? Nobody's answering. Why aren't they not answering? So they called the other person who was in the house with them. They're like, yo, you know, I've been trying to call so-and-so all day. Oh, well, you know, you know, she's still sitting on the couch. She's sleeping. Oh, when she went over there, she was cold. And one of the, another reason why I'm talking to you about that this morning is because come to find out yesterday in you know, talking about like the the events leading up to um, her passing, they were like, "Well, what was she doing? What happened?" And one of the things she had been complaining about her stomach—that was the word. So, do you want to the do you know to the emergency room? Is it that bad? She said, "No, it's not that bad." After a while, she started throwing up, and. When they did the autopsy, the autopsy came back that it was hypertension and heart disease, heart failure. She had had a heart attack. Now, what have we been talking about for the past two weeks? What have we been talking about here on this due time for the past two weeks? And the person said, Steph, um... When I heard she threw up, I knew that she had had a heart attack because they had someone else that they knew that had had a heart attack, and one of the symptoms is throwing up. And I said to myself, I said, look at the gems that God gives us for free, for free. You call in, log in every day to his due time with Pastor Steph, and this is what God gives us, all these tidbits. And had that person known, and now she's sitting saying, oh, my gosh, I feel so bad. I didn't know. You know, when she when I asked her, she said her stomach was bothering her, and I asked her if she wanted to go to the emergency room. She said no. Had she known, because people knew she had some type of heart condition, didn't know it was bad, but knew she had some, you know, problems with her heart here or there. And when I say bad, I know it sounds a little silly, but you, uh, hopefully you get what I'm saying. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Had that person known some of the symptoms, then when she was sitting on the couch saying, no, 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 I'll take some Tums or something, she would have known to at least call EMS because they may have been able to catch this heart attack. So, you know, when I say uh, on uh, Wednesday mornings, hey, y'all, we made it through the week. By the grace of God, he's been good because others haven't made it. This is how simple it becomes. This is how simple it is. Later is not promised to us between she was sitting right there in the house with somebody who she had been talking to them off and on all that time. And she thought, the lady thought she was sitting there sleeping. Oh, you know, she's sleeping. She's tired. She said she didn't feel well. And by the time she really went over to her physically, she was already cold. 
there's some time that has to pass before you become cold after death. That doesn't happen in an hour. And, you know, I just immediately, I thought about how God is blessing us with all of these these little tidbits and signs of stroke and signs of heart attack and what we need to pay attention to and how we need to get ourselves together because later is not promised to us. Even those of us who have accepted Christ as our personal Savior, we are missing so much from the equation of really being a true child of God. Now, listen, I don't want to hear nothing about, oh, you know, everybody got time and, you know, I'm doing the best that I can. Do you understand that later is not promised to any of us all this time we spend it trying to get it right when we already know the Bible tells us to know what to do and to do it anyway? It's considered sin, there is no way we need to be messing around, turning the pages as though it could not be us. This is real. This is a blow to that family because as far as they're concerned, she was fine. She had just relocated from New York to the South. She's, she was 58 years old, starting a new life. That's all she thought about. I finally got an opportunity. My son is an adult. My grandchild is getting older. I can now move and start a new life. Do you know when she moved? January 22nd. And as of February 4th, she was gone. She didn't even get a chance on that quote-unquote new life for one month. Not one month. We cannot take this time that God has given us for granted. I am watching people just pass the time away, dragging their feet. I'm getting it together. Oh, God ain't through with me yet. God is still working on me. You know, let me let me tell you something. If we really got an idea of what we look like to God, oh baby. The Bible tells us, and the righteous shall scarcely make it in. We ain't got no time to drag our feet. We have no time to try to get it, to try to get it together, to try to get it together. I'm trying to get it together. I'm trying to. Listen, we are on an accelerated path to make it into the kingdom. We don't know when tomorrow is. I want want to hear nobody talk about, oh, when Jesus come back, I got to get ready because Jesus is returning. You might be dead before that time. So what does that mean? What does that mean? When Jesus returns, you may not be here. So now, what does that mean? What does it mean? This is real. This is real. Get it together now. Stop trying 
to, I mean, just, uh, it, it, this is mind-blowing. I, I, I am mind-blowing. We see, we see what's going on in this world. We see how this world is twisted. We see, we, we do so many stories about these people who call themselves Christians. So guess what? God has given you a snapshot of what you just might look like. This ain't only about them. It's about you. It's an opportunity to look at that and say, how do I look to God? Am I living a Christ and holy filled? I mean, we are not going to be perfect, and nobody's going to be perfect. But, baby, you better make sure that when God closes your eyes, you are in the most utmost striving mode. That your mind is fixed on Jesus because you ain't got no other choice these days. All this other nonsense we're getting caught up in, all the time that's going by, you're going to get it together tomorrow. Tomorrow? There is no tomorrow necessarily. So I'm assuming that I got tomorrow. If you find yourself caught up, and you know that what you're doing is not pleasing to God, you need to get yourself together, dust yourself off. God, I'm here. I'm in it. We have no time to lay down and die. We have no time to talk about, I'm going to get this done, like all these resolutions. As of the first of the month, I'm going to get it together. That's a tall order for something you don't really know about. They thought she was sleeping. They had been talking to her off and on all night. Spent time all day together Saturday. All she said was, my stomach is hurting. And I said to myself, I said, do you know how many times I said my stomach was hurting? And something that, well, I don't want to say something. The Spirit of the Lord told me, you better get up and go to the, to the emergency room. And I was told three times, you weren't, you're not supposed to be here. All because I could have stayed home and said, oh, you know, I'll fix it. No, no, get up. People, get up. If you have any kind of health condition, any kind, any kind of health condition, get up and go check it out. What, what's, the worst, what's the worst that can happen? They send you home? She wouldn't, no, my stomach is hurting and I'm going to take some Tums. Oh, well. That didn't happen. Get in tune with the Lord. And from what I understand, this person did not know God. And I, that was the blow, the biggest part of the blow for Stephanie. Because, see, where everybody else is like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe so-and-so is not here no more. I can't believe that they died so suddenly. I can't, there was nothing wrong. That, that, that Only a small piece of my mind goes there. The other piece of my mind goes, do they know the Lord? What can God say about that life right now? Will they make it? Is that what Stephanie says to herself? Will God look at that life and declare it? Enough for them to make it in to the kingdom. Because let me help you understand something. We can't pray them in right now. She's gone. The Bible tells us her plans go when he closed her eyes. So all that you thought 
you could do all you may have wanted to do that bucket list she was going to go to church in a week two weeks she was going to go down to, uh, 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 um, uh, down south and she was going to now join a church because she hadn't joined one up here oh for 58 years he gave her an opportunity 58 years she lived here and if her plan was to get it right, what happened? Those plans perished. So now it really got, we, we, yo, do you realize this is serious? Only God can say whether her intentions were good enough for him, whether her life was good enough for him. Only he, not you, not me. I don't care how much you love her, him, them. It doesn't matter. Only God can look at that life and assess that life from February 4th backwards. February 4th, 2000, backwards. Not February 4th, forward. There is no forward. All this stuff these people are telling y'all about, oh, they, they, oh, you know, just pray them in. I've gone to funerals and heard pastors, preachers tell people, just pray them in. No, we can't pray nobody in. Your prayer was supposed to happen while they were here on earth, breathing, living. But once God closed their eyes, that's it. Our prayers mean nothing for them. That's what the Bible tells us. So I thought about it, and I just think, I'm telling you, this thing been on my mind. I spoke to the individual uh, who was giving me this information yesterday, and when she said to me, she says, Steph, so-and-so, they said she, she had a heart attack. And the first thing I said to myself is, oh, my God, for the past two weeks, we've been talking about a heart attack and a stroke. And all we need are these little, little gems that would have possibly helped that situation. Anybody you know, you need to tell them to listen to the broadcast. Anybody you know, you need to tell them, be on Sunday night prayer. Anybody you know, you need to tell them, be in service. Give your life to Christ right now because later is not promised to any of us. That's our wow Wednesday morning word. <sighs> Giving God thanks that I have a word today, that He woke me up today, and that my sisters, those numbers, popped up on this screen this morning. Your number popped up on this screen this morning, and I can see that you are here with us. Take this time and don't let it pass you by. We got our girl Vivian on with us for our socially conscious segment. So give me a minute while I pull Vivian up. Good morning, Viv. Vivian, did I get you? Are you talking to the mute button? Can you hear me? 
I can hear you now. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Wow Wednesday. How are you, Pastor Seth? I am doing well, thank you. How are you, Vivian? I'm well, thank you. Good, good, good. What you got for us today? Okay, today on Socially Conscious, we are starting off by breaking records. As reports say, Americans' credit card balances climb to a new record high of $1.13 trillion. According to data released Tuesday by the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, they say credit card debt increased by $50 billion in the fourth quarter of 2023 alone. This information comes as data also comes forth showing that total household debt rose by $212 billion, which brings household debt to $17.5 trillion in the fourth quarter of 2023 alone. And if these numbers weren't concerning enough, they say the number of Americans who are late making their credit card payments is also ticking up. Delinquencies reflecting missed payments on credit card bills increased across all age groups. Borrowers between the age of 30 to 39 are missing their payments at especially fast rates. According to researchers, high credit card debt is not a flashing red signal, but is indicative of strain on many household budgets. Credit card balances first surpassed one trillion dollars last August and I think this news goes hand in hand with the news of the migrants being given free paid monthly cards to help them out while we also receive this news that Americans are struggling and they're using up their credit cards more and more and having problems paying them off. Very interesting. Our next story is connected to another topic that hits the show quite often, and that is NYCHA. Reports say at least 70 current and former New York City Housing Authority employees were arrested Tuesday following current um, following a federal investigation. So apparently... Dozens of current and former NYCHA employees are facing bribery and extortion offenses, according to the U.S. Attorney's Office. They are saying the arrest um, is one of the, no, is the largest single-day bribery takedown in history. Officials say employees would demand money from contractors in exchange for contracts for NYCHA buildings taking advantage of no-bid contracts. The employees would then allegedly approve the contract once their demands were met. Prosecutors said the employees allegedly solicited over $2 million in bribes over a 10-year period, according to prosecutors. Contractors for nearly 100 NYCHA buildings were also impacted by this corruption. They say if the contractors didn't pay, the defendants wouldn't give them the work. And they're saying that thousands of NYCHA apartments who have been waiting years 
for repairs were allegedly affected by this setup. So we talk about it all the time, how bad these nicer apartments are. And this is what's going on behind closed doors. So this is not helping to speed up the process of turning over these um, vacant apartments that we speak of. This is not helping with the current residents getting their apartments fixed up because we have people in the background who are creating bidding wars for contracts with these NYCHA projects. Next, we have numbers regarding the kiddos, a landmark 2023 field study by the nonprofit Center for Justice Innovation included candid interviews with kids as young as 12 years old, and they are shedding a new light on what's been happening on the street. The study found that the average age for joining a gang these days is 14 years old, followed by a first arrest at 15, and the first time they would carry a gun is at that same age. So the teens who were being interviewed during this study told researchers that the number one reason for holding a gun is for protection out of fear. Another reason they gave was to maintain their image on the street. And next, protection while hustling or dealing drugs. And lastly, they say that they were pure shooters who were assigned to pull the trigger to eliminate someone perceived as a threat. And again, these children were as young as 12 years old. They say 85% of those questions during the interview said that a gang leader played a very prominent role in their personal development. Reports say there are nearly 60,000 youth under the age of 18 who are currently incarcerated in juvenile jails and prisons in the United States. And studies show that the United States incarcerates more of its youth than any other country in the world. And there's no shock here with this next number, as they say black youth are more likely to be held in juvenile facilities than any other race. Then we have tribal youth, Latinx youth, then white, then Asian. They are claiming kids with guns are a modern day crisis. One man who was a who is now a community leader, uh, he told the story of how he held his first gun at 15 years old. He was then arrested for gun possession at 16, and then at 17 years old, he was shot and nearly killed. And we hear these news stories every day, but to hear these numbers is a little wild, 14 years old joining the game. But now we have our wow story of the week. And in honor of Black History Month, we want to honor Dr. Carter G. Woodson. Woodson was a scholar whose passion for celebrating the historic contributions of Black people led to the establishment of Black History Month. 
what's in lobbied schools and organizations to participate in a special program to encourage the study of African American history, which began in February of 1926. And that began what was known as Negro History Week. The program was later expanded and renamed Black History Month. They say Woodson had chosen February for the initial week-long celebration to honor the birth month of birth month of Frederick Douglass and President Abraham Lincoln. But those close to him say with that he actually had a target aim to reform February from being the study of these two great men to being a study of a great race. Excuse me. And as his ideas grew, more and more people joined in on the celebration of blacks. Mr. Woodson kept it going. And in 1937, Woodson established the Negro History Bulletin, which was pretty much a journal or a magazine that aimed at providing teachers, students, and the general reader a foundation in black history. It was published continuously actually up until 2001. So in 1976, 50 years after the first celebration of black history and during heightened periods of the civil rights movement, President Gerald Ford lengthened the week-long celebration to a month solidifying black history month. Throughout the course of his life, Woodson published many books of black history, including A Century of Negro Migration back in 1918, The Education of the Negro Prior to 1861, that was done in 1919, The History of the Negro Church back in 1921, and The Negro in Our History back in 1922. So he has made some great contributions to our history. So we want to honor, again, Dr. Carter G. Woodson, who is now known for creating what we now know as Black History Month. Mm. This has been Vivian with Socially Conscious, giving you the news that we are following. And remember, if you have any wild stories you would like to submit, please feel free to direct message me on Facebook. My username there is Vivian B.M. And come back every Wednesday to find out if your story has been chosen. Thank you, as always, to our loyal listeners, and thank you, Pastor Steph. Thank you, Vivian. Thank you so much. Uh, I think I caught all my little notes here. And uh, you know how I always say, please hang around just in case we need some clarification. And uh, we'll catch you in a little bit. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. All righty. Oh, we got an opportunity to get this conversation started with our ladies regarding the socially conscious segment. So let's say good morning to our elder Nitisha. Good morning, elder Nitisha. Good morning. Good morning. Glad to be on. Glad to to be on with you and my sisters and all our listeners. Amen. Amen. Glad to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Oh, we're getting started with the American Credit Card 
balances that have climbed to $1.13 trillion. And with all the information that Vivian gave, all those numbers and the fact that, uh, you know, the household uh, has increased to using credit cards at this rate, I want to throw out the $53 million that you know, the the uh, New York is giving out to the migrants. It was a story that I did on Monday, I believe, and it is so that they can go to the convenience stores, to the bodegas. They're going to get a prepaid debit card, and they will be able to only use these at bodegas, grocery stores, convenience stores, and I guess that's strictly to buy food. And when you hear these numbers going on with the American people, what 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 comes to your mind? I, I think the obvious, right? What we were concerned about, we were concerned all along with you know how they were going to provide for people who you know are coming over into this country and not provide and take care of the problem that already existed here in America. I think the high balances with credit cards and the high um, balances even with maintaining the household is indicative of a poor economy because if people were bringing in the money necessary, then they wouldn't have to lean on credit cards. Credit cards come into play when a person um, runs out of money and then, you know, begins to use utilize credit. The problem with credit cards is that once you um, get it to a certain amount and you don't pay it off at the end of the month, you incur additional interest fees and, and forget it, if you're late, you're talking about a late fee. And so now what happens is the original $500 that you spent to try to supplement your income now within a month or two can become 580 which then over time – Next thing you know, all you spent was 500 and now you keep putting that $25 and interest and late fees is eating up your $25 and your credit card bill continues to, to rise. So I think it, it really is indicative that there is a problem with the economy and what a slap in the face to your own people that they're here struggling, resorting to credit cards while you make a decision to give money away the people who are not from this country who have come in illegally right mm-hmm. and so this is when you this is when you have people who want Trump and with all mm-hmm. of the, the the problematics with Trump the I think one of the things that I hear people saying overwhelmingly people who support him or is endorsing his return is he may be all of these other things but he at least was against that border <laughs> and, and wanted to make sure that, 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 you know, that they wouldn't have gotten in. And many are saying that this wouldn't be a problem if Trump was still in office, that that wouldn't have happened. And so, again, it just, it's, it's an a, a unstable economy, and I think it, it really is a smack in the face. What are you saying to your own people when you reach outside of your house to provide for others while you're a star. Mm-hmm. All righty. Ooh, what a start. 
Uh, let's hear what our girl Tamika has to say. Good morning, Lady Tamika. Good morning and happy hoo hoo Wednesday to you. Mm. How are you? I am doing well. How are you today? That's good. That's good. I'm well, thank you. I'm well, thank you. You know, you were on the line with us on Monday morning when we talked about this 53 mil that's going to be handed out to the migrants just because they're here. And now we hear that there's like trillions of dollars in credit card debt. There's only one area of debt we're talking about. What do you say? Right. You know, um, just thinking about just debt in its own, you know, um, it's, uh, there actually is documentation about the brain when it comes to credit cards, that ideal that, oh, you know, I, I can pay it later or, you know, I, you know I, I'll put it on, you know, my credit card, you know, and this, this um, unbelievable dream that, you know, you've got more than what you have. Um, there is documentation that spending the green does something different than using the credit card. It's almost as if we don't really relate to the fact that we just spent, you know, um, whatever. You know, you spent, let's just say, $700 on a, on a new television, and, you know, in your mind, it's, oh, well, I can take care of But here's the other thing. You don't know what's going to happen between today and, and your future, you know. And so when you purchase that thing in your mind, you related and you said, oh, well, I've got it, you know, yeah, you've got it now, but you understand that when you're doing by credit, you know, that's for your future, you know, and things happen, you know, and on top of that, now you're saying you're giving these people money. We've all, you know, from the very beginning, when they started coming in, we were like, we kept saying, what's going to happen now? You know, now we've got, you know, a, a, a gang, a, a group of gang people, you know, that, are included in this set of people. There's, there's no, you know, have you been here for a while? Have we been able to test you? What's your background? You know, where did you come from? Have you been incarcerated at home? You know, none of that. You're just giving it out. You know, for someone to do whatever it is they, they want to do and use the card, you know, and I understand that people need food, but, you know, it's just it, it, there's no rhyme or reason. And so no wonder, you know, it's going up and, you know, everything is going up in debt. And, and debt becomes easy because people don't realize that as you're spending credit, you're actually spending twice as much as you would if you had the cash right then and there. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Let's say good morning to our Shantese. Good morning, Shantese. Good morning. Good morning, ladies. How are you? Good morning. I'm fine, thank you. How are you? That's good. I'm all right. Thank you. I'm all right. What do you think about the two when you put them in the same box? Fifty-three million free dollars and all this trillions of dollars in credit card debt for the American people. I think it's horrible. It when it was brought up Monday. It was just like, and here's another thing you have given the American people to be in an uproar about and to hear, you know, we pretty much knew that 
a lot of people were in debt, but to now hear the numbers and to hear it live. And one of the first things that comes to mind is you have so many people who are not only trying to stay afloat while working. You have so many people who are trying to open and and start and keep afloat legitimate businesses, like real entrepreneurs who are really trying to make it out here. And instead of analyzing each one, I get random, these random business um, oh, how, how can, I, can I please speak to, to Ms. Shanti? Yes, you know, you came up on, on our business thing and we'd like to give you a loan. Why are you giving me a loan? Why don't you just say, I see you have a business. Let me give you money. I'm not hearing that this, this car you're giving these migrants is a loan. And the, the, this is something that is just going to keep the American people in an uproar. And, again, you have no explanation as to why you're doing this. So not only is this foolishness, but then when it comes time for you to not explain to the American people why you're sitting there and all we hear is crickets. Uh, huh. <clears throat> Excuse me. Needless to say, I agree with all of you. Um, my, one of the biggest things that came to, biggest thought that came to my head is how many how many times is a credit card used for a family just to eat? Mm-hmm. Just to buy just regular, just everyday food, bread, milk, you know, just just food. If you were to check check with these people, they're not, it's, it's no splurging, pretty much. These people are using this to eat. A lot of people are, and I've heard people say that, say, listen, I, I got to use my cards. Just eat. How many people are going to work every day, getting a paycheck, and they and when they do their budget, food is not even factored into the budget, and they're already at zero. Mm-hmm. And when they get the credit card, this is why they have to use the credit card for food. And yet, if the qualifications and eligibility were to shift somewhat for SNAP benefits, giving a family $200 would help to defray a lot of the issue of them not eating. It doesn't go very far, but it goes far enough, and now here you are about to give away uh, 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 prepaid debit cards for people because you brought them here and now they cannot starve. Well, that's already been going on. Your American people have been starving. Now, we may not mm-hmm. look like we're starving, but we are starving because if you're not starving in one way, your body is starving of all the healthy food that you really need to be eating, but because healthy food costs a little bit more than, mm-hmm. you know, the junk food, you you know, it's easier to buy the junk food or the less healthy food than it is to buy the healthier food. And now here you are. This is the crisis now the country is in. Trillion, trillion dollars in credit card debt alone. We ain't talking about personal loans. They're not talking about that. They're not talking about that. They're talking about just credit cards alone. Wow. All righty. We've been talking about last year a few times as to how the NYCHA uh, 
uh, apartments, all the empty apartments, the vacant apartments, because they could not, you know, they weren't fixed or ready for people to move in. And at one point, Vivian gave us one number, and the next time she gave us another number, here we are. One of the probably, probably one of the biggest reasons is because they've got all this backdoor negotiating going on, and now no nothing is getting done the way it should. Lady Tamika, what are we talking about here? And utter chaos, you know, and, and it keeps coming up. This is not the first time that we've talked about mm-hmm. NYCHA homes, you know, mm-hmm. and my heart is saddened that you've got people trying to find a dwelling place, you know, um, living with family or doing whatever it is that they can to survive, you know, and on top of that, you're bidding for um, contractors. How ridiculous that is, you know, and to me it seems, well, there's no, it seems, you don't care about the lives that are being affected by the fact that, you know, um, they can't find a place to live, you know. You got people um, who have their name on the list for months, for years, trying to get a place to live, and this is what you do. No compassion, no feeling for those that are having a hard time for their plight. You know, I, I just, you know, I hope that they get them, and I hope that they get them good. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Shantice, bribery. This is what's being, this is what's 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 standing in the way. Bribery. I want to make sure I understand. So, for the for them to have the contract for the apartments, there's bribery going on as to how the apartments are being handled. Yes. So. You know, it's it's a practice that a contractor has to bid out for work, which makes sense. But mm-hmm. the employees have been negotiating, if you will. They've been forcing these contractors, and, you know, if you do this for me, then you can get this bid. If you do this for mm-hmm. me, you can win this bid. You'll get the job. And because okay. of that, it's held up tons of work from happening, and now, remember we talked last year about thousands of apartments that are not uh, uh, occupied. Well, do you see why now? Because of the contracting bid, uh, bid business that's going on in the background. Right. So your greed has people homeless, and your greed has not only people homeless, but people who need the work so that they can make the money. Now, they're not making the money, even those who, so if I know that you're trying to bribe me and now you're trying to see between me and another contractor, we're still out of money. And, I mean, probably wouldn't really care because I know that you're into bribing, but now everybody's out. And you're the only one sitting here doing good because you can't afford to play these games. No one else can afford to play these games. The people who need somewhere to live can afford to play these games. The legitimate contractors can't afford to play these games. While you're figuring out how you can gain the most out of these apartments being taken care of. So now, what kind of bribery is going to go on once these people move in? Because I I just personally think, I've heard the numbers as to how much people are paying in rent 
and they live in NYCHA. And I'm like, how? How, when the living conditions there are trash, how are they going by your income? If you made $9 million and you're living in a NYCHA apartment, how are you paying so much when the living, you're not paying for amenities unless you include what we see there amenities. If you consider that amenities, then that's <laughs> sad. But that that just now goes to show, has there been bribery all this time when it comes to the rent, how they determine how much rent you pay? Mm, interesting thoughts. Interesting thoughts. Elder Natisha, what are you thinking over there? Are you talking to the mute Sorry, button, Elder Natisha? <laughs> Yes, I was. Oh, okay. Um, Again, I think it it speaks of during times of corruption, then it produces more corruption. So when you have people who are trying to figure out how to get ahead, people who are trying to figure out how to move forward, how to maintain, then this is when you have people taking advantage of people who are in the same predicament as they are in. In other words, here you are because of your own selfish greed, your own survival, like crabs in a barrel, because you're only worried about your self-preservation. Now, you will hinder the, the forward movement of people's livelihood. Are you kidding me? Again, it's, 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 a, it's a doggy-dog world out there, and this is why we need a savior. This is why we have to make up our minds and come to and come to the conclusion that it is only what we do for Christ that's going to last. And even our maintenance and the provision of God is what we have to live out of because everything else in this world right now is built on corruption and greed. And so I, that takes me back to the story for Thanksgiving when those people were without heat and the usage of their – um, their, right. their gas and their, their right. ovens and those are things of mm-hmm. that nature. So you mean to tell me that there may have been That's a right. chance That's for that right. to have been taken care of, but it was mm-hmm. held up because of your greed, your self-preservation, you trying to get money for yourself. And so now thousands of people went throughout the entire holiday without having the things that they needed simply for you to be okay. Yep. It's a doggy dog world. We got to give our lives to Jesus. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's true because that's the only way we're going to make it because we're we're going to be subjected to all of this type of treatment and backdoor um, uh, occurrences and 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 you know behind the scenes, um, you know, uh, thievery and you know it, it, this you know to hear that this morning. I'm saying to myself, now these people already, already, you already know what these people are living underneath. Now, what was it, last week we talked about the woman who was suing because the doors, the door wasn't locked. And when she went in, the, the guy was able to come in and stab her all of those times. And, you know, they did the survey over the entire um, development as well as all of the NYCHA housing, and they found how many doors w- didn't have locks on them. So uh, just like Elder Natija just said, you know, when you start thinking about the little pockets of problems, this little simple stuff, 
little simple things that could be, you know, um, rectified. But get, no, because y'all too busy back there doing all of this stuff. It didn't matter what went on. So you know what? Maybe they're the reason why this woman was stabbed up. Maybe they're the reason why the other people were robbed, raped, because the doors weren't locked, because y'all didn't do what y'all needed to do when you had the opportunity just to get somebody in there to lock up doors and fix these things and all of this kind of stuff. This, this, this is your fault. This is your fault for simple stuff to be done. So uh, Elder and I teacher brought up the, the, the stove, and remember they gave them the $25 voucher per person, and now the, the lady's stabbed up in the whole, yeah, all of this. All of this stuff falls through the gaps, even if y'all didn't negotiate on those two things. But because the attention is spent someplace else, these things could have been going on. So you know what? I hope they fry them, fry them, fry them. And when I mean that, I do not mean the death penalty. I mean just the suffering. Because this, this, this is a mess here. This is a mess. It wouldn't matter to you how people live so that you can have an extra $5 in your pocket. So now, what's all that money going to do to you now? What's all that going to do for your family Right now, how many of you are about to go to jail and you have young children in your home, grandchildren in your home? Now, everybody suffers. Not only do the people in NYCHA suffer, not only do the contractors suffer, but how many of your family members are going to suffer because maybe you were the one who was the primary breadwinner or you, you contributed to the to the income of the home and now... The family, the children have to face, you know, some, some, you know, uh, uh, living conditions now because this just, this stuff has such a domino effect, has such a domino effect that it would be, that, that it would make your head spin. Oh boy. All right. Well, we're going to salute Dr. Carter G. Woodson for his uh, starting of the Black History um, Focus. And now we have Black History Month. You know, so many people have said, hey, you know, we should have a longer month, uh, so forth and so on. But we're going to give God thanks that even this one person or whoever helped to put this idea into motion, um, who chatted with him, you know, a lot of these great ideas, we don't sit back by ourselves and or by ourselves and and think it up, you know. It's after we look. The four of us have been talking, you know, over and over again. So now, you know, it's time for somebody to make a move, and I'm able to make the move, and now I can take a combination of thoughts and concerns and now make it happen. So we definitely thank Vivian for helping to give light to the foundation of the. Uh, Black History Month and the Black History Focus and, um, you know, just pray for an expansion and a larger development of, you know, the be- that beginning. But I do want to talk about these interviews with the 12-year-olds that gave an astonishing um, stamp 
on a lot of things that we've talked about here on this due time period across the board, whether it's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, and, you know, how, you know, as, as early as um, 12 years old, they are joining gangs. As early as 14 years old, they're joining gangs. Like, this stuff is starting, you know, very, very early. And, you know, we've heard the numbers. And just to get some type of a feedback from you ladies as to what goes on in your head when you hear these young people say all of these things, when you heard the gentleman who gave his own, you know, account, you know, as to what has happened in his life and how young he got started, you know, um, I want to add this in like I did uh, the other um, uh, item uh, Vivian gave. You know, we just got finished talking yesterday about that National African American Clergy Network who wants uh, President Biden to step in and call a ceasefire for, you know, but, you know in Gaza. And yet here it is right under their noses, right in their face, probably right in their home. You've got all of this going on with our babies. Let's talk about that, Shantice. <sighs> Again, we are so busy focused on things that ain't got nothing to do with us, and yet all of the suffering that's happening, you know, the streets started saying everything low-key, you know, I'm low-key feeling like this, or low-key this is happening, meaning it's not as obvious. No, everything is obvious now. Everything is obvious now. You don't have to know the exact statistics of the youth to know that the youth is bugging out in these streets, okay, to know that a lot of them don't really feel like they have a choice. It's either... I'm born a scholar or I'm born a hood rat. I'm born with money or I'm born having to hustle. There is no balance that a lot. And you would be amazed to find out how many families instill one or the other into their children. You have families who either instill this, you're the best, you're going to have the best, you better get good grades, and they're, like, hounding their kids on that end. And then you have other families that go to their kids and will literally tell them, you ain't nothing, you're this, you're, you're wicked, you're evil, blah, 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 even if the kid is bad. But how, like, these are the pep talks that these children get. So now what do you think these kids are going to go out here and do when these adults are breeding these nasty, the, the nasty youth? They're going to be out here shooting and killing each other and, and robbing each other and in games and, and the gang raping and, and all this craziness. This is what they're doing. But meanwhile, you, as a, God, as a godly leader, you're so busy worrying about what's going on in other countries. That has nothing to do with us. But as soon as you walk outside, you'll probably get robbed by one of these inner city youths. While, you're, while you just got finished making a phone call, to Biden or sending the email, however you're getting this information across, you're trying to get this information across, you can't safely go to your nervous bodega without worried about getting robbed. It's like I don't understand why the focus isn't here. When God has placed you here, he's placed you here so you can 
through him make a difference here, but your focus is somewhere else, where you can't make the difference because you're calling someone else to make the difference. You can't cease nothing, but you're going to now spend all your time and energy to try to get in touch with someone else who you feel has the authority to do that. It's dumb. Mm-hmm. All righty. You know, Elton I Tisha, you did this this national African American clergy network who are concerned about um I closed the tab, but their quote uh in yesterday's article was, you know, they we are oppressed and they are oppressed. And that's one of the reasons why they want President Biden to go in and call call a ceasefire. It's not, and, you know, I know you already know it's not that we don't care about what goes on in other countries, but look at these staggering numbers. And this is somebody on that network's grandchild. This is probably somebody's son, and yet your mind is someplace else. What is your thought behind this? Again, these two different areas of focus. Um, it, it, it hits close to home. It hits close to home. You know, living in Chicago, um, my heart has never been more aware and concerned about our young people than um, it is now. Uh, even in, even living in New York, not that you know things didn't happen. I think the problem is the frequency at which it is happening here in Chicago. There is not a day since I've moved out here that I have not heard about kids being shot to death on the street or kids shooting each other, shooting in broad daylight. This is not stuff that's happening at night. This is in the middle of the day. Why are our kids not in school? Where are the programs for children? So while we want to invest and look across the pond, we need investment for our children here. Again, what's happening, America? It's the same thing that you're doing with the people in need in terms of housing and, and help with the support. You're giving money to people who don't even who are not Americans. <laughs> Uh-huh. And the same thing. And so you're looking at solving other people's problems, but you have a huge problem in your own house. Why don't we care about our house? There is something very off about not being concerned about what is happening in your house. The uh-huh. Bible tells us that charity begins at home. It starts uh-huh. at home, and then it spreads out. For anyone who operates in ministry in a healthy way, it begins at home. Pastors lament about the state of their children while they are out saving the souls of others. And it may look like there's great success out there, but the truth of every genuine leader is that their heart bleeds for the people in Mm -hmm. their own home. Mm -hmm. America, 
what we have moved so far from God, you don't even resemble God anymore. You may have God on your money. You may say, God, we trust and all this other kind of stuff. You, don't, you have moved so far from God to where you are not even concerned about what's going on in your own house. Your people are suffering, but you keep trying to be global. All righty. Lady Tamika, what do you say about all of this, how we focus? Clergy. You can't take care of what's at home. We Just listening to the broadcast within the last, I'd say, six months, we talked about, uh, you know, there, there being budget cuts and things, and we've got to look out for our people. It's so important. All righty, all righty. Ooh, you know, we have a big concern here, and the ladies have said it, and I want to take this opportunity to move over to our topic of conversation. And uh, wait a minute now. We got uh, ways we can show love. Ah. We always just end up walking into stuff. Never know what Vivian's going to give. And just, you know, this this came up this morning, got up a little earlier, and was able to look up something. And this came across my lap, and I was like, I want to talk about this. It's just so much going on, and we need to definitely open up our minds and our hearts and just help one another understand the different ways we need to show love. And I'm going to start with our girlfriend. Let me open up her mic. Our girlfriend, Vivian, who's been hanging out with us for the past few weeks. Vivian, good morning again. One of the ways that they say we can show love biblically, that's the that's the key today. Biblically, how can we show love? Well, they say giving preference to one another. What say you? Good morning again. Um, well, that's in the Bible to you know honor to, to honor someone else higher than yourself. Um, so. That's definitely a way to show love, not being selfish, thinking about the next person's needs and desires. And like you said, the stories that we discussed today shows exactly that. Even just even if we just take the wild story, I mean, the last story with the kids, um, taking care of the kids would keep them from turning to a gang leader who they can now claim <laughs> plays a, a prominent role in their in their development. So just paying attention to the needs of the kids, paying attention to the needs of others is a, is a, is a great way to show that you, that you love them and you care for them and it can help them out in the long run. And then they have somebody else to turn to. That, that, that'll be a positive influence in their life. Amen, amen. Elder Natisha, we're talking about biblical ways to show love. And giving preference to one another means what to you? 
It means being a, a servant. It's posturing ourselves as a servant. And when we posture ourselves as a servant, then we place others above ourselves. And so what greater, you know, display of love than to prefer my neighbor over myself, to pray for my neighbor, you know, just as much or more than I pray for myself, to want to make sure that my neighbor is provided for um, as much as or more than, you know, I would myself. And so I think it is this idea that we do not see today where we move away from self-preservation because our faith is grounded in the fact that God is going to take care of us and that he takes care of us so efficiently that we're able to, to bless others with the overflow. And what greater display of love is that? Amen, amen, ladies, amen. All right, Shantice, giving preference to one another, that's a biblical way of showing love to and for one another. Absolutely, showing humility. Humility means I lower myself and I put you before my comfortability. I put your needs before mine. And as clergy, you know, clergy is supposed to be the leaders in displaying that, in displaying I'm here to serve. You know, it's not I'm, I'm a pastor, I'm a minister, I'm an elder, I'm a bishop, whatever title, you know, you have, and that means I sit on top. No, that means I am the first to serve. I am the first to make sure I stay before God so that I am in tune with the needs of those. He is sending me to serve so that I can now be an example. I have to now be quick to run to display the exact thing that Jesus displayed. When it was time to wash the feet and Peter was like, uh, what do you think you're doing? And he was like, you need to sit down and chill and don't interfere with this because I'm here to serve you. That's what he showed, and that's what we need to be showing others, that same humility. Amen, amen. And we're talking about biblical ways to show love, giving preference to one another, Romans 12, 10. All right, take your notes today. All right, Romans 12, 10. All right, another biblical way to show love, building up one another, which is a little different. Yes, it's in the same vein, but a little different focus. Uh, Elder Natisha, how do we build up one another to show love? Um, I think we, you know, we we, we really don't... Um look at our stories and and think that they are useful, but wherever you are in your process, it's useful for somebody else. And so it's really the ability to be willing to be open and transparent, to um, be willing to take a young person under your wing, become a big sister, um, become a mentor, um, disciple, you know, uh, people who you can see need discipling. I mean, I think it is absolutely taking out of what God has given you and and our experience. I mean, I don't care where you are in the journey. If you are 20, you can help a 15-year-old because there are some Mm -hmm. faces in that 15-year-old's life 
right, that, that they'll have to get to to get to 20 that you can talk them through. You remember what it was like at 15. And, again, I mean, you know, oftentimes we think that to be a mentor to be a big sister, you know, you need to be so well-established and all this other kind of stuff. The truth is, ain't none of us well-established. We're just further in the journey. That's all. <laughs> we're just further in the journey. Absolutely. And so Absolutely. Then we're, we're, we're able to then, you know, turn around and pour out to someone else and share with them, you know, how to navigate through life based on where we've walked through. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, let me turn her mic on. Lady Tamika, we're talking about biblical ways to show love, and we have gotten to building up one another. How is that a biblical way of showing love? Oh, it, it is so important um, because you don't know what somebody's going through on the outside just because they look good and they're you know, they're all perfumed up and make up, you know, and tattered and bruised and wounded and beat down on the inside. You have no idea what goes on in somebody's household. So if you can exhort someone, if you can encourage someone, if you can speak kind words, if you can, sometimes it's something as subtle as a smile or a hug or a tap on the hand, you know, hey, how you doing? You know, a question of inquiry that shows that you genuinely care you have no idea how much that advances someone. I remember speaking to a youth uh, years. I mean, this, this youth is now an adult with children of her own. And she said to me, you know, you, you weren't there for long, but the impact that you made made a difference. And I was just like, well, all I said was such a, she was like, no, but I needed that. So, I mean, you know, don't think that even your small is trivial. You actually have no idea how much of an impact something subtle as a smile or an encouraging word can be for someone who has so Amen, amen, amen. Uh, Vivian, build up one another. That's a biblical way to show love. Yeah, I think it's different than... Like, it's the difference between giving an encouraging word and or advice. I feel like building someone up is actually taking the time to make sure that you help set them up for success. And is definitely a way to show love because not enough people are actually taking the time to make sure that somebody else is good. You know, I might I might hit you up and hear what you're going through and I might, you know, encourage you verbally but if I go if I hear that you're going through something and I now go over to your house and give you a meal or you know teach you to cook or you know actually take the time to build you up and set you up for success that's that's a major way of showing somebody that you really truly care for them Amen Shantice you got the final word on building up one another as a biblical way to show love. Yes, um, encouraging you to now follow God's word, encouraging you to look at yourself the way God looks looks at you, and building others up also helps you. It helps to keep your humility intact. It helps to remind you of the job that God and Jesus has you on. It helps you to remember what Jesus is doing for you. 
you know, that you're now paying it forward. Jesus is all day, every day building us up. Now we need to take the energy he's given us and now build the next person up. You know, and I think Ellen Atisha said it, you know, a lot of people, they don't, if we're, we're the ones who we're on a certain level, then we can identify with Jesus a little more. We can see Jesus in different aspects. We can hear him. We can feel him. The next person may not be able to do that as of yet. So now we have to display Jesus through how we speak to them, you know, how we encourage them, how we're there for them. It, that, that's what we have to make sure that we're doing. The same thing Jesus is doing for us, we need to make sure we're doing that for someone else. Alrighty, ladies. All right. That build up one another is taken from Romans fourteen nineteen. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. And the first one, Romans, give me a second, because I realize I need to read this. You know, I, I can't just rely on y'all going home or hanging up and reading this thing. So let me read it to you. That uh, give preference to one another, Romans twelve ten, and it says, "Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another." All right, we're talking this morning about the biblical ways to show love. Accept, accept one another. Oh, is this so big? Who are we starting with? Where's my, who's here? I want to see if my girl, Tamika. Ah, Lady Tamika, let's get you. Accept one another, biblical way. Definitely, you know, and we all live this life and nobody is identical. You know, although you may even have people that look identical and, you know, in twins, their personality is different, you know, and accepting one another, you know, and, and, the best way that I can think of something like that, attribute-wise, is a married couple. You know, you marry each other, and one individual is entirely different from the other. You're never going to be a scantron sheet, meaning that, you know, you're going to be a carbon copy of the other. There are two different individuals. And with that, you have to accept that their mindset is different, their abilities are different, their responses are different, and accepting the fact that you're different, not trying to make you be a carbon copy of me or vice versa and accepting that those differences make you unique, you know, and accepting that, you know, whatever it is that you are, you know, I want to see you better. And I'm not trying to change you to the point that I want you to be a carbon copy of me, but I want you to be able to be blossom in who God has created you to be. You are unique for a reason and blessing God and helping, you know, you blossom in what he has created you to be. Amen, amen. Vivian, biblical way to show love, accept, accept. Ooh, this is just like so big right here. Accept one another. Well, being uh, called a reject, the trouble past, and the disenchanted, uh, mm-hmm. being a part of that group, I can definitely say that being accepted into a, a group or a family of individuals who of my best interest at heart is has definitely been a way that God has shown his love for me and how each and every one of those individuals in that family and, you know, my church family have been able to show that love for me because, I, you know, coming up, definitely being rejected by 
everybody, including, you know, blood family members, has definitely taken a toll. So when you're able, even in their in their filth and in their, their dirt and in their, you know, their, their trials and tribulations, to be able to accept them, not necessarily for who they are because we want to help them be better people, but just accepting them into the to the fold and helping them to grow and be better, that definitely is a way of showing them that you love them. All righty. Elden Artisha, how important is accepting one another? I would say um, it's very important. It provides a sense of belonging and part of um, Maslow's hierarchy of basic needs um, is is that, you know, we have community and we have um, people who accept us for who we are and are able to love us where we are until we can become better. And I think that that's really what Jesus does, right? And it's why we love him so much. We love him so much because before we were worthy of acceptance, before we were worthy of belonging, he accepted us in. The message, you know, first came to the Jews, and it was Jesus who came on the scene and said, no, I'm going to extend this message to the Gentiles. And so we have been adopted into the family of Christ because of his acceptance of us, because of, you know, that, that sense of belonging. And even as I, like, have been studying this week, preparing for what I'm getting ready to do this weekend, one of the things that came upon was the ACEs test and the PACEs. The ACEs test is a a type of test that talks about adverse behaviors. And if you've had any adverse experiences as a child, then even a score of one or two has the ability to, to really change your life. But if you've had PACEs, those individuals, a loving adult, someone who accepted you, walked alongside you and gave you a sense of belonging, it actually reversed what your life could have been because of the things that happened to you as a child. And so when I think about myself, right, a victim of childhood abuse, there were people that God planted along the way that I could think back to. I know the names of the teachers that saw me that saw that I was abused, that saw that I was being neglected, and who took interest and um, accepted me and poured into me. Now, they may have not seen who I've become today, but it's absolutely, I am who I am today because of their impact of belonging, their impact of just accepting me, you know, as a broken little girl and speaking life to me. And many of them have passed on. But their legacy still their legacy still lives on in who I am today. Amen, ladies, amen, amen. Shantice, you know, we talk about uh this a lot, you and I, accepting one another. Biblical, biblical, yes. biblical. <laughs> yes, making sure that again, the paying it forward. You know, we are <laughs> It's easy for Jesus to look down and look back at God and be like, I ain't vouching for that. I'm not doing that, especially again and again and again and again, because he petitions for us all day, every day. So for us to now look at someone else and show partiality, and God has been snagging me a whole people a lot. <laughs> 
when it comes to showing favoritism in any way. And showing favoritism comes in so many different forms. Oh, my goodness. So many different levels of looking at someone and quickly assessing as to who you're not going to minister to, who you're not going to pray for, who you're not going to pray with. For whatever reason, there is no justified reason. There's nothing you can go to God and say, well, I don't want to do this because of such and such. He already knows if there's issues there, if there's tension there, that if he is now sending you, for whatever reason, to accept someone in any form, on any level, he already he already did his checks and balances. He already knows that you roll your eyes. He already knows that it's something you initially don't want to do, but... Again, think about what Jesus does for you every day, all day. It is now our responsibility to make sure we are showing others what Jesus is showing us. That despite what you're doing, despite what you have done, despite your struggles, he is still standing. I keep telling people, just envision Jesus standing in front of you with arms open like, you might as well just come on. Just, just, just stop. Stop looking left. Stop looking right. Stop trying to try to go backwards. Stop reminiscing. Just just come here because you're gonna end up coming to me anyway. Just just come here, and that's what we have to make our acceptance of others is depicting that. It's depicting Jesus standing right in front of his arms open. It's like just come on, baby. Just come on, come on, and just follow me, and let me show you how to do this so that you can be successful. Amen, amen, amen. And that accepting one another is taken from Romans fifteen seven. Therefore, receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Amen. Care for one another. Care for one another. Vivian, let's see if we can grab you before you get up out of here. Alrighty, I hear like a whole bunch of chiming going on, and I may have, uh, we may have lost Vivian for the morning. All right, so let's grab our lady Tamika. Care for one another. Mm, that is so important. Um, again, you don't know what anybody else is going through, and it's so crucial to show care, to show concern. Um, to be able to lift one another. Um, you never know what type of storm or struggle. Um, and sometimes the Lord will give you information, you know, um, so that you can help them, you know, from where they are, to lift them from where they are, to move them to where God wants them to be. Amen, amen, amen. Ah, oh, Shantice, care for one another. Make sure you're there to share one another's burdens. Make sure people understand that you're there for them, that you're willing to not only, and see this caring for them is so subjective because people like to dictate how you care for them. And I've had to tell a few people, like, stop trying to give me rules as to how to care for you, okay, because you don't even know what you need. So I'm going to have to make sure I stay before God so that I'm caring for you the way he's telling me he needs me to care for you. So where you may say, 
Oh, Shanties, I need you can show me that you care by going me to slap this person. No. Now, I may be, you know, I may tell you I agree. I, I feel you. I would probably want to slap him too. But he needs me to be of sound mind. He needs me to talk you out of doing that. So caring for others, people have to understand, you have to stay before God. If you want to talk about really being there for someone, being a real friend, really loving someone, really caring for someone, you're going to do what's in the best interest for that person, not what they say is in the best interest for them. And the only way you're going to know that is if you allow God to tell you how to care for someone else. Amen, amen. And Elder Natisha, biblical way to show love is caring for one another. Well, I mean, it makes sense, right? If we if we believe that we all um, are made in the image of God, then caring for others is caring for God's people. It's caring for the Imago Day in which we all um, are made and created in the image of God and have the breath of God on the inside of us. And so if we believe that to be true, then, you know, a, a part of our, our purpose and our calling um, is to care for others. It is, it is to care for God's creation. It's to love what God loves, uh, to walk alongside God, to be aligned with God, means that I am concerned about what concerns him. My heart breaks for what breaks his. And there's no and God loves his creation. God loves his people. It is not the will of God that any man will be separated from him. And that's what sin does. It separates men from God. It separates humanity from their creator. And so by us caring for um, our neighbor, we are literally doing that which um, God does for us and then we are extending it forward as his hands and feet in the earth. And so I I earnestly believe that um, in order for us to identify that we are made in the image of God, it requires that we recognize that those around us, whether good or bad, were created in the image of God and that they too need salvation, they too need belonging, they too need community, they need to experience the love of God. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, thank you so much, ladies, for your contribution into today's conversation. And we pray you have a blessed day. You too, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I want to give you that verse that's associated with caring for one another. And that's 1 Corinthians 12, verse 25, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. So as been said, you know, there shouldn't be any division but that everybody is on one accord caring for one another the same way. Mm, Let's uh, take this moment to hold hands and hold hearts and go before the Lord together. Heavenly Father, we come before you, God. We are so grateful For you just even waking us up today, inviting us into a wonderful, beautiful day, God. We call it Wow Wednesday. 
And you have been an awesome God as you have continued to invest in us, continue to love us in only the way you can. <laughs> We're talking about biblical ways to show love, and God, we are so grateful that you have set such an example. There is nothing you ever ask or require us to do that you and your son have not already done and shown us what it looks like. And, Lord, we pray that as we hear this ministry go through this morning as to how to not just care for one another, but how your word says we should care for one another. We ask, dear Heavenly Father, that this just gets illuminated in our eyes, illuminated in our hearts, illuminated in our spirits to Heavenly Father, and that we can really walk this earth and show the love that Christ has shown. We're so grateful for such a wonderful example. We're so grateful for such a wonderful display. We're so grateful that we've been recipients of all this wonderful love, God. And we have no excuse. We have no excuse. We have no excuse not to just relay from every fiber of our being what it is to biblically love one another. God, we know that it's difficult sometimes, but Lord, I pray that we just remember how difficult we, we've been and we possibly are. Well, while we're complaining and kicking and screaming as to how we need to show your love, that we remember how you loved us unconditionally, that your son died for us even while the world was sinning. He didn't wait for there to be some clearance and for us to start acting right. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How can we say thank you? How can we say thank you? You know, it's such a small, such a small word, God, that in in all actuality we don't even show as much as we say. But Your Word says that actions speak louder than words. So, Lord, we we listen and we hear You today in a different way, and we pray that today is a brand new day. That whatever we came into this 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 broadcast thinking and understanding and knowing, God, that you've turned it all around and have given us a brand new understanding, a brand new love for you and a brand new love for one another. As Vivian said, the trouble passed, the disenchanted and the rejects. We all fall into that category somehow. Oh, we all, somewhere along that line, we're one of the three, if not all three. So we need your love at all times because as the ladies have spoken, there have been times when their very parents have not been who they thought they were going to be, who they were supposed to be. But because you are always there, you've always been there, God. You've exemplified what true love really looks like. 
You've been there when no human has been. Thank you. Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for introducing yourself to us in a brand new way this morning that every one of us can walk off saying we've learned something else. We give you the glory and the honor to Heavenly Father. So rightly do your name. In the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You know, it's it's not easy to get the things to talk about for topics. You know, I, I, it may seem like, well, what's the big deal? It, it's, it is a big deal because you always want to hear from God. You always want to make sure you're paying attention to what God is giving you. You always want to make sure that you're doing exactly what he says. And for me, I, I, I just that's something that I just don't take lightly. When you're in charge, when God gives you a word, it's just not something you take lightly. And, and Elder Natisha was talking about how she is preparing to speak to hundreds, I believe, of individuals. And that that's that's hearing from God as to what to talk about, as to what to say, is so crucial because you need to make sure that you're giving what he wants his people to hear because there's a timing for everything. We can talk about anything every day, but is it the time that he has set aside to talk about these things? And when I saw biblical ways to show love, the biblical part stuck out to me. Because this world has its own version of what love looks like. This world has its own version of what love is. This world has its own version of, you know, how I get it done. And Lady Tamika mentioned married couple. And even in those two, just between the two, love can look very, very different. He can say, I love you. And show it one way. She can say, I love you, and show it a completely different way. And and one of the reasons why the divorce rate is so high, because everybody ain't on the same page. So it's really important this morning that it was a biblical way to show love. Because when we talk about these stories every day, there's some love going on here somewhere. You know, so, so let's talk about the, the people who work for NYCHA. Now, in their head, they got to do what they got to do to make it happen for their family. Because I love my family, and, you know, if I got to, you know, do what I got to do, and, you know, it means stepping to the left or stepping to the right of the law, I just got to do what I got to do. Now, it's not everybody's story, but we do know it's some people's story because we hear it all the time. We hear it all the time. That's not love. Because look at what's happened now. Now, you did what you got to do because, you know, you love your family and you got to, you know, make sure that, you know, they eat and, you know, you got to make sure you got your bread and all of this kind of stuff. 
and yet now you've put yourself in jeopardy of going to jail. So that love did what for the family at the end of the day? See, God's love is thorough. Ooh, I lo- see, that's what I love. Oh, that's what I love about God's love. He don't miss a beat. He misses nothing. When you love the way God loves, all things get covered. It ain't no this for this moment or that for that moment. Or I got to make this little move here because right now I got to deal with what's going on now. And I'll deal with that. You know, I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. God's love is sorrow. It covers everything. It covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. And we ain't talking about street love. We ain't talking about ghetto love. We talking about God's love. Imagine when you give preference to one another or when you build up another or when you accept one another or when you care for one another. Imagine how that's covering everything. Because that's what God has in mind. God is a thorough and complete God. He does not operate in confusion. It's not what can go down for right now and later will take care of later, not in the essence in which we talk about it. So, I mean, I just, this is why I have no other choice but to serve God. See, that's not optional for me. It's not optional for me to serve God in my way. It's like what I was talking about earlier. It's not optional for me to just migrate through this life the way I want to migrate through it, the way I want to get a sense of, you know, what's going to make me comfortable. No, because if I think that my way of being comfortable is greater than God's way of being comfortable, I already don't understand God. I didn't already, that's already skewed. My understanding of God is already twisted. Anytime I think that my way is better than God's way, I'm already done. I finished myself off, and I'm on a path of hell. I'm not going to get no peace. I'm going to be all twisted. I can't make no decisions. I can't stand on anything I ever do. I'm always second-guessing everything. I'm always second-guessing not only what I do, but I'm second-guessing what you do. I'm second-guessing what the next person does. I'm second-guessing what someone else says that I never even heard from before. Everything is questionable. But I love God because all I got to do is trust him. And I know it's going to be all right. I know it's going to be all right. I may not be able to even see the all right. I can't even tell you how many times that didn't happen in my life. And let me tell you what happens when you do that. See, the more you trust God, when you don't know what the all right's going to be, when the next thing comes around, you're already going to have that in your arsenal to trust God for what you don't know is going to happen, but you know he's got a plan. I'm not talking about this robotic, oh, I'm just going to trust God, and you're just walking around in a tizzy. No, I'm talking about really knowing that whatever God delivers, it's going to be 
all right. It's going to be the right thing. It's going to work out. See, there's a robotic side for some people of this, uh, you know, just, just, just praising God. And, you know, I just know it's remote for them. There's no real trust. It's just because I've been told that that's the way I'm supposed to live. I've been told that that's the way I'm supposed to think. That's what I'm going to do. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that faithful obedience. I'm talking about that obedience that really trusts God, that when I move going forward, after I got you, Lord, that I'm moving knowing that you're going to work this thing out for my good, that you're going to work this thing out for the next person's good who's also involved in this thing, that you're going to work things out, period, and thoroughly and completely and wholly. Yeah, I'm saying the same word over and over again because that's what makes the difference. I don't know if some of you get what I'm saying. I don't know if some of you think, well, she's just splitting his. No, I'm not. When you're a pastor and you get to talking to people enough, oh, you get to see how twisted some thoughts really are. And it's not intentional. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I'm talking about is a lack of understanding and how you have to really explain to people. When you really, let me tell you something, when you're in the position of listening, whether you're a mentor whether you're a pastor, whether you're a teacher, anyone who's in a level of authority, when you really listen to people, you really get to understand what people really understand. And they don't realize that they're not understanding things the way it really needs to be understood. And it has nothing to do with you knowing better. It just has something to do with a level of submission. And if you watch, trust me when I tell you, pay attention. If you watch, the Bible says an unstable man is unstable in all his ways. You'll watch how in their life it's just the same way in several other areas. And that's why you can really see that there's a lack of understanding and I give God thanks. Oh, my goodness, you just don't even understand. I just praise God every day for the clarity. And let me tell you something. I always say to people, I'm operating at like 75% because of the fibromyalgia. So sometimes I'm not remembering things. Sometimes it's just like things go completely blank. You know, So I, I know I'm not the Stephanie who I used to be. I, I know that. But the one thing I got to say, when it comes to this word of God, that is something that God has left untampered with. I don't care how much my body shut down. I don't care how much my memory might just flip from one second to the other. But it's something about that word of God. He has left intact. And I give God the utmost praise for that. Because it makes the difference in my life. So I just implore you to just join Pastor Steph. Just join me. Just join me. Just join me every day here because God's got something really in store for us here. And it ain't only coming from my mouth. We got a whole, the whole crew is a blessing. Come on and join us. You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit.
as you go through your day. Be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Step signing off, and I want to thank my do-time crew, the ladies, for always coming through big time. Thank you for hanging out with us. Please do not miss this opportunity to give Christ your life right now. Please do not miss the opportunity to strengthen that relationship with the Lord right now because later is not promised to any of us. Until tomorrow, God spares, where it's Therapeutic Thursday. Until then, I love you. Mm